Bridge the rain and the right here. Okay, anybody? Hello. Hello. This one right here. This will be good. So Bobby uh, and Ara and their family, they're actually here, several of them, uh, have been with us for many years. They joined the church about seven, eight years ago. Ten. Ten. You've been here like ten years? Ten. Ten years. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, ten years ago. Um, so um, they, they were already in the church, a lovely couple. Um, they brought up their boys, uh, and, and this is something that always amazes me about them. They actually homeschooled their boys while they were here, throughout. Yes, right? throughout. So um, if you were complaining during COVID, two years of COVID, about homeschooling, you need to talk to them. Because <laughs> throughout the entire, the yeah. entire um, from, from, yes. from the beginning. Yes, and praise God, the oldest has gotten a nice scholarship for university next wow. year. Wow. So, so it's a praise. Yes. What a and they are all here, by the way. Yes. They're gonna not like that. They don't understand their feet. They're okay. like, please no. <laughs> All right, but um, Bobby is bringing us a word this morning, um, and um, she's going to introduce the topic. It's a lovely topic, uh, but I believe she has a message that this is time for us. Um, every one of us goes through trials and tribulations, and the Lord has something for us this morning that will really speak into our hearts. So I'm so looking forward to it, and I believe every one of us is too. So let's pray as we. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for um, the ministry of the word. Thank you that you connected us to your word. And within it contains the power to change us, to refresh us, to renew us, to revitalize us, and to put us in line with the way that you want us to go. So Lord, as Bobby ministers to us this morning, just thank you for our family. And we bless the family that even as they go about their business, words that come straight from you, may her heart be heart that comes straight from you, that is aligned with you. And Lord, our hearts are, are aligned and also tuned in to listen, eager and anticipation of what you have to say to us in this season. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Monica. Is this going to work? Are you hearing me? I didn't know I had to do this thing, and so... Jimmy just handed it to me, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, good morning. I am really glad to be with you today. And how many people were here last week with Ian? Some? Okay, I really loved Ian had a wonderful message, and he spoke about how we are all both in need of grace and also the chosen children of God. And he demonstrated how none of us are better than others by standing down here. 
And knowing that I was speaking this week, I thought, good, because I don't want to stand up there either. So he has made a way for me. And part of the reason I'm really happy to actually make that point is because it would be very wrong for you to hear what I'm going to share today and think that I am some super spiritual person who just naturally rests in the Lord and that this is just the way that I am and, and she just is abiding with God. No. <laughs> um, actually, I am a recovering doer. Are there any recovering doers in the room? I hope you are recovering. Anybody want to admit that they're not actually recovering? I'm hoping by the end of today you'll begin recovery if you are, if you are not. Um, can I have my slides? Yes. So today I want to talk to you about rest, which is actually a gift from God. Yeah. And it's really important that I confess that this has been a very long struggle for me. I am not, well, some of you have known me a long time and know. I mean, seriously, Monica, if I had not been in ministry and homeschooling my children and on church leadership, clearly I needed rest, didn't I? Um, but that drive to do a lot and good things that God has given us to do, please hear also, I'm not telling you not to obey the Lord. The drive to do a lot can sometimes make us feel that God's command to rest is a burden. And I'm hoping actually today through the things we're going to talk about that you can see that it is a gift and I'm going to use several different passages. But first I do want to tell a little bit of my testimony because it is true that this has been a long journey. Um, I certainly did not see gift as a rest where I grew up. I come from a very, very conservative community in the United States where rest is very strict. Like we sit still. And we wait for the clock, but they're like crazy workers, so they wait for the clock to strike so we can begin again, okay? This is not restful, <laughs> and that's the way I grew up. I left that culture, and it really is actually a subculture of America. I left that culture when I was 19, but I remained a deeply legalistic person. Um, I followed rules about Sabbath, but I really did not rest. 14 years later, somehow I ended up here in Luboa. <laughs> That's a whole like sermon series on its own. In ministry, running a guest house, three little kids, and Aaron and I did not have a day off for 18 months. Like literally we were not like given a day off for 18 months and when we pointed out that that was a problem, we were told that that was too bad. <laughs> um, it was really a dark season. So two years after coming here, we returned to the United States just for a bit, and, but we went back very broken. And by the lack of rest and many other things, but by God's grace, I happened to go to a seminar soon after we returned to the States where a lot of the information that I'm going to share with you today, I actually heard. And I realized through that, that the lack of real rest, not even just a day off, was a great deal of our problem. So I walked out of that room, Aaron had been in a different seminar, and I was like, honey, we are going to start resting. And like a good husband, he looked at me and he said, you are crazy. <laughs> Am I wrong? He's like, um, because we had three little kids, these handsome boys were like this tall, um, we had dozens of things we had to do so that we could return here and we really wanted to be here. Our families were insanely demanding because we were finally 
on the same continent with them. And you know how grandmothers can be. <laughs> um, so Aaron said there was no way. But those of you who've known me for a decade know that it is a very bad idea to tell me no about something that I believe is of the Lord. Yes. <laughs> so we began bit by bit to figure this out and it changed our lives, and now we would never go back. We take rest very, very seriously and teach it to lots of people, and I believe actually God led us through that very difficult time because we're supposed to teach other people about this. What we primarily learned, and what I really want you to think about today, is that when we obey the command to rest, we are then ready to be the blessing that God has called us to be. Because here is some real truth. First, keep the peace within yourself. Then you can also bring peace to others. I believe that most of you want to be a blessing, to be a person of peace. But I cannot give what I do not have. Rest brings peace. That is how I acquire what I need to give to someone else that probably God is telling me to give to someone else. So let's begin with a biblical concept of rest, the Sabbath. Okay? We, we, when we talk about rest in church, we think, oh, we're talking about the Sabbath and the commands. Okay, so let's, let's go ahead and go there. Um, aside from the fact that God commands it, why should we take a Sabbath rest? Interestingly, by the way, I'm actually a school teacher sometimes. <laughs> I do a lot of things. Uh, so, like history facts and science facts, like make me really nerdish. Um, but history proves that the concept of six days of work and one day of stopping is necessary. Cultures that there are cultures that have tried to change this, namely the Soviets and the French, to name names. I think we don't have any of those people here today, so I'll name names. Um, it has, it has been catastrophic. They wanted to go to ten or nine days on and one day off, so like a 10-day cycle instead of a seven-day cycle. It resulted in things like horses dropping dead in the streets <laughs> and an actual decline of economic growth, not an increase. When God said six and one, he knew that the way he made the world to work and all of the creatures in it needed to operate this way. And when, historically, when people have stepped out of this, it's gone badly, just for the record. And I really do love when science proves that the Lord is right. It makes me really happy. Um, I want to take a slight turn here, but I'm hoping that you'll see in the end how this goes together. Scripture also says that God wants us to abide. And I want to use this passage today firstly. John 15, 4 through 5, I'm hoping you have it, yes. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Abide. Uh, that's long been a tricky word for me. Like, what does that mean? I don't, I don't know if there's a good word for it in languages here, but I feel like it's an English word that English people don't. We have trouble with that word. I've learned a lot about it in the last 
couple of years. And really, it's the idea to be with deeply and continuously. Deeply and continuously. What or whom are you with deeply and continuously? That is where you abide, and it is where you are seeking your rest. A friend of ours says, abide is synonymous with Sabbath. And the first time he said that, I was like, huh, what do I think about? I had to spend a lot of time thinking about that. But I find it very interesting in light of John 15. Jesus said, abide or you will bear no fruit. Sabbath is, first of all, and most importantly about being with the Lord. So then I'm like, oh, okay, I can see how abiding is a form of Sabbath, and Sabbath leads into abiding and how these things go together. I cannot, if I cannot stop to be with God, if I cannot stop to abide with Him, I'm not really going to do much that matters anyway. That is where this concept of abiding and Sabbath come together. If you want to be fruitful, you have to have real rest. If I cannot be with him, I will not be fruitful. We're not very far into this, and I am confident that someone is thinking, Bobby, you have no idea how much I have to do. <laughs> and, and you're sure that if I really did know what your life was like, I would give you a pass on this, like, taking a day. To, I'm seeing smiles. Some people are like, oh, I really was thinking that. I've taught this before, by the way. <laughs> I've heard these things. Um, that I would give you a pass on taking Sabbath because there's so much in your life. And to you, I would respond that the bottom line is trust. If I can't rest one day, that means I don't trust God to work out what will and will not get done the other six days. Those of you who know me well know that I actually struggle deeply with trusting God, actually with trusting pretty much everyone except Aaron. Um, so I'm not saying that flippantly. It's the truth. If I can't trust God, I can't abide because I'm going to be running around getting it done myself. But I'm actually not going to bear fruit. I have to trust him with what happens on six days so I can be with him on one day and actually be fruitful. Abiding is about trusting him with all the things. Um, there's, a, there's a book called An, Unhur An Unhurried Life, and there's this great, hello, I'll go, oh, okay. Um, it takes trust in God's faithfulness to choose to stop our work. When we choose soul rest, we are putting our trust in God's work, not our own, and then we experience the gift of Sabbath. Um, author and pastor Mark Buchanan makes this connection when he says, Sabbath is about turning over to God all those things. Our money, our work, our status, our reputation, our plans and <laughs> projects that we've, we're otherwise tempted to hold tightly in our own closed fists, hold on to for dear life. Sabbath, the gift of I'm sorry, the gift of a Sabbath day helps us remember and trust that life is given, not earned. 
If we do not trust God with our daily life and needs, our family and our work, it will be incredibly difficult to rest. Interestingly, an indicator of our level of trust is actually how we spend the other six days of the week. People are like, oh my word, she's already taken one day and now she wants to trample on the other six. I'm about to, yes. Um, <laughs> there's a book, the next slide, um, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I actually really recommend this book. It says, one of the surprising things I learned when I began to practice Sabbath, Sabbath is that to really enjoy the seventh day, oh dear, I have to slow down on the other six. <sighs> this is quite painful, and it's counterintuitive. Surely, if I plan to really like take time to abide and be with the Lord one day of the week, that means I'm really going to pack more into the other six. That is our human thinking. That is how we believe. <laughs> Patrick and Lynn are like, yes, that's what we believe. Um, but really, the way to make that day of rest count is to evaluate our lives the other six days and figure out what we have to get rid of. Even good things sometimes have to have less priority. Jesus actually showed us this in his own boundaries. Um, two ways that we can slow down the other six days are silence and solitude. And I do not mean just sitting and reading your Bible. I want more of your time. <laughs> um, this is a conscious choice to shut out the world and its demands, even completely legitimate demands. And I have been a mother with small children. <laughs> And I have had work and ministry and all the things. Um, and remember, I learned this painfully. Scripture says that Jesus did this often, though. These are some of my favorite uh, just verses about Jesus' rhythms. Mark 1.35, rising early. By the way, I hate mornings. <laughs> but I do. I rise an hour early before I know anyone will be in my house so that I can have silence before, I mean, do you see these teenagers? <laughs> like, I need silence. Um, Luke 4:42 went out to a solitary place. He went out. Sometimes you are not going to find silence, silence and solitude where you are. You might have to go away. Jesus did. <laughs> Luke 5:16 often withdrew to lonely places. You know, we think of the word as lonely as this kind of negative context, like, oh, I, I don't have people to be with or whatever. Uh, Jesus saw a lonely place as a good thing. He went alone. No crowds, no ministry, no noise. Just the Father to abide with. Silence and solitude. What would silence and solitude look like for you in your week? Even for a few minutes each day, what door needs to be closed? What boundary needs to be set? What help needs to be requested? 
here's the reality. There is a lot to do in life. Maybe you have to ask for help with some of your real legitimate tasks from someone in your life so that you can have a bit of silence and solitude. I'm going to say a hard thing. It is sheer arrogance to think that our jobs and our homes and our families cannot get by without us for the sake of our time with God. <clears throat> you are not the universal need meter. He is. Let him be. There are people who will not like it. Some of you are sitting here thinking, but if I do this, so-and-so will be angry. Yes. But you are actually not responsible for how they feel. You are responsible to abide in the Father because that is what he has commanded you to do. And they will have to work out their own business. Silence and solitude are just recognizing Jesus' presence in our regular lives and making room for him. That's all. I'm making room for him in the six days, so on the seventh day, I'm not like, wow, what are we talking about, Lord? I haven't talked to you in six days. It happens. <laughs> it happens. Okay. Here are some ideas. Taking a daily break to just breathe and pray. I was speaking with somebody who will remain nameless about a tea break um, and the confession that like, we're just working through the tea break. People, someone has offered you a moment to take your chai and sit alone for 15 minutes and pray. Like, do it. Is that 15 minutes in your day really going to make that much of a difference of what you might accomplish? No. But 15 minutes with the Lord might change everything. Um, linger after a meal when others leave. Sit in the sun and appreciate his creation. Or perhaps sometimes we need to sit in the shade and <laughs> appreciate his creation. Here's one that I think really can help our relationships. Wait a moment before you walk inside your job or house. You know, you get out of your car, you get out of the taxi, you get off the boat and just stand for a minute. Remember that Christ is beside you. Amen. Think about what he wants for what you're facing and go with him. We're talking about two minutes to stop with him alone. Could be game-changing. Also, some people like to create a quiet place to regularly go. Um, whether it's, you know, a little bit of their office or a place on their property. Do you see how these are patterns of daily life that just help us have rhythms to slow down to bring Jesus in? And there are many other ways to do this. But this is essentially abiding more in our day-to-day -day beyond our regular time with God. This does not mean like, oh, I don't need to sit with the Word today and take this in because this is extra. <laughs> but it actually makes Sabbath easier. Silence and solitude are also having boundaries on people and demands and letting them know that God is in charge of us, not them. That's actually the problem that people have with this when we start 
saying, I need 15 minutes to just be with the Lord. Well, then the people in our life feel like someone else is in charge. By the way, he is. And that's really healthy for them to learn. Um, You know, Jesus did this, and can I remind you that people were annoyed with him. Those verses that I had up, most of those follow with the disciples coming and saying, why aren't you doing, come on, we've got things to do. People were annoyed with Jesus when he did this. They're going to be annoyed with you. It's just the sooner we accept that, the better we're all going to be. We should not be surprised that people are annoyed with us when we obey the Father if they were annoyed with Jesus for the very same things. This should not shock us. And thus should not stop us. Because it didn't stop him. So I've made a good case for Sabbath. Let's start looking at what it is and what it is not. And I will stop trouncing on your other six days for a bit. Sabbath is not a set of rules. So those of you who really like do it this way, black and white, and then everything will be fine, you're not going to like what I have to say today. Um, It is also not legalistic. Uh, Jesus made it clear that the Pharisee way with lots of laws uh, was not the right way. So we're not going to do that either. Sabbath is also not the same for everyone. If this is really about abiding and about soul rest, what is restful to me might not be restful to you. Um, My son Cole was up here this morning playing his mandolin. That music time is very restful to him. I need silence. And I mean like total silence, okay? (laughs) So it is also then not a reason to judge other people. Like when you see somebody saying, oh, I'm taking my day of rest, and this is what I'm doing, and you're thinking, that's not rest. No, it is not your business, actually. Genesis 1, 26 to 2, 3 has the first Sabbath. So when we look at this from a scriptural point, it's actually a good place to go. So this is a bit long, but I would like to read it because it makes a very good point. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creation that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit within it, uh, with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creation that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And so it was. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is a very familiar passage, but it actually makes two very important points about Sabbath. And they're points that I think we miss quite often. First, 
God gave Adam and Eve work to do. Be fruitful, multiply, subdue. Those are kind of the, the big categories. But right after that, right after that, he tells them to rest. Have you ever thought about that? The first Sabbath came before Adam and Eve had been fruitful, multiplied, or subdued anything. He told them what to do, and then he was like, let's just sit down together. We, we think of he created and then he sent them out to do. No, he created them, he told them what to do, and then they all stopped. So that tells us the second thing. What did God do to the seventh day? He blessed it. He actually blessed the stopping of work. That is so counterintuitive to us to think that he blesses stopping. We have a hard time with that. After that, they were supposed to work out of the rest that he gave them, not resting from the work they did. And this is a nuance, but we have found this to be very true. We do not work for the rest we're getting, we work from the rest we've taken. And, and it really does change everything. Sabbath is supposed to be the filling up before going out. And this is actually also reflected in the Hebrew mindset, um, which is a cultural aspect, but this would have then been the way that Jesus and Old and New Testament people saw the day. And so let's look at this. The Hebrew mindset saw the day beginning with rest, the evening, not work. Our day begins at sunrise and basically with work. This sequence is telling. We tend to see rest as a place we fall into after we've worn ourselves out with work. But if work begins with rest, if it begins when the sun goes down, the day has begun when I see the sun go down and the first thing I do is rest. That's how Jesus saw it. This is interesting also in light of Jesus' command to abide. God had Adam and Eve spend a day abiding with them and then sent them out to work. Jesus said, abide and you will be fruitful. As, it's as if God knew, rest so that you will be fruitful. I, I already told what you're gonna do, but now let's just take a break because otherwise you're not gonna have the energy to go do this. When I take time to rest, I have time to abide and then in the end, I am more fruitful. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will have rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. You know, Jesus does not want you to feel overburdened. Note that he says rest for your soul in this translation. Jesus is not denying that there is a lot to do, and I am not either. He's offering something that is healing so that you can actually more easily face what you do have to do. So lots of you are now thinking, okay, so how, get on with it, okay. 
um, because we have jobs and teenagers and small children and elderly parents to care for and businesses and ministries and bills to pay and houses to build. So let us be very practical for a bit. Um, I have a picture. And Patrick is not allowed to answer, so just over there. What is this thing? Metronome. And what is it for? Keeps the rhythm, keeps time. Okay. And that is actually the first thing that we need to know about Sabbath. It is about rhythm. One and six, one and six, one and six. And everyone gets stuck on Sunday, which might not be helpful or even possible or even logical. We do not rest on Sunday because it is almost always a work day for us. So if I said, well, Sunday is my Sabbath, but I, I can't rest that day. Um, so we actually, I guess I'll get to that. Other examples of this are medical people. Someone has to be attending to the clinic on Sunday because children, even on Sunday, want to fall down and hurt themselves. Um, drivers, somebody has to get us there on Sunday. And now this is going to be bad, introverts. It is okay to admit that going to church feels like work to some types of people. <laughs> she just said that. Yes, I did. Um, even if I didn't usually have to work on Sunday, I do find church to be very exhausting. The important thing is to find the regular rhythm. Six and one, six and one, one and six, one and six. We happen to rest from the Friday evening meal to the Saturday evening meal. Some people think it's like because we like want to reflect Jewish culture and it's not, it could be another evening to evening. Um, but we do find that to be the day of the week when it works the best for us. You must find your rhythm. So my question is what part of your week, oh dear, can you take a full 24 hours to stop all the regular things. Yikes. It's really good if it can be on the same day as the other people in your household, but that might not be realistic either. Sometimes, because we have people to care for or something that must be done, it, we trade. Like, I, we've known households where the wife rests on the Friday and the husband rests on the Saturday or whatever, and the other person takes care of the things that must be done. I just shared this with somebody else um, that yesterday that I really love about the evening meal to evening meal pattern is that I rest for a whole 24 hours, but there's actually not a day of the week that I can't do something if I really, really have to. Spoken like a doer. Like Saturday night, it's not a lot of time, but if there's like something really pressing, I can do it. And I've rested very well. So find your rhythm. What I want to say about that is don't skip it because it's tricky. Okay? Don't say I'm not going to because, well, it's too complicated to figure out. Jesus had a pretty complicated life. He figured it out. So what do we want to do and not do on Sabbath? Jesus offered rest for people's souls, partly because the Pharisees had a lot of rules, for them to be following, and they really loved rules about Sabbath. But if we look at the Old Testament, there are three primary categories that really 
was what God was saying when he said rest on the Sabbath, and we can learn a lot from these three things. So the first one is don't work. Like whatever your regular job is, just don't do that, which is pretty easy except, Monica, your phone. It's chasing you all the time, right? Okay, see my eyes? Yes, so no working, which includes email on your phone, by the way. My work email is not my phone, so people can't chase me. Um, no buying or selling. This is not the day to say, oh good, I don't have to do my regular work, let's do the shopping. And it's said in the Old Testament also not to start fires. And the original one really was about women not having to cook. And we do get that in a culture where some of us are perhaps using sagiri. But really, if we think about this as a metaphor, which is how Aaron and I like to do it, starting a fire in your house <laughs> is bringing up any topic that you know is a hot issue. I'm confident that I could ask each and every one of you about an ongoing disagreement with your parent, your spouse, your child, your neighbor, I mean, just name somebody. Those are fires. Not starting a fire means that for one whole day, you do not talk about, text about, or even dwell on those issues. Marriage, married people have a hard time with this. They're like, but we finally have a day where we're not doing anything else. We can talk about the serious thing. No, <laughs> no. That is not rest for your soul. Your brain needs a break, not just from your job, but also from all of the things that are burning up here. Lay them down and be with the Lord. Your phone, by the way, is a fire starter. John Mark Comer says, parent your phone. Put it to bed early and make it sleep in. <laughs> Scrolling does not equal rest. That is mindless numbing, not real rest. Your phone does not have a place in Sabbath. And if I could get you to walk away with one thing today, that would be it. So bottom line, if I can't do my job, I can't start difficult conversations with my teenagers, I can't go to the shops, what am I going to do? <laughs> this is actually easier than you think. What is life giving? Rest then is not the absence of activity, it is the absence of frenzy and anxiety. What do we actually do? Well, like I said, it can be different for everyone. What is life giving? For us, sleeping in, staying home, having longer time with the Lord, biking, reading, not cooking. Remember I said that we begin on Friday evening? The thing I'm going to the thing I make for dinner on Friday evening when we begin the rest is huge. Ladies, you know when you get the big pot? Hide it from your family if you have to. Like, we're eating this much today because tomorrow we're eating this much and I'm not cooking it for you, <laughs> okay? Not cooking, 
playing games, going for walks. I really like to plant flowers, partly just for a reason to be outside and enjoy what the Lord has made. But for other people, it might be doing art. I have a friend who paints, and she really loves that, and she finds that very peaceful. That would be very bad for me. Um, if you live alone, maybe actually visiting someone is what you need to do on Sabbath. Like, if you often have to sit alone in your house, maybe going and sitting with someone for tea is life-giving. The question to ask is, what are the things you never have time for that bring peace and joy and make you feel near to the Lord? You know, he has created you all differently, and he knows what those things are. What is the thing that you would love to do, but when would I have time for that? So the question for doing something or not doing something on Sabbath is actually, does this feed my soul the way God wants, or just fill it up the way that the world says I should, which is the essence of shopping, working, and relational fires? What fills you up? What makes you feel close to God and feeds your relationship? That is what a 24-hour Sabbath looks like, and anything else is just a day off. It's just a day off. I find this interesting. Psalm 127, 1 through 2 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. And this is the... Mm. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. He wants you to abide with him daily and rest long with him on Sabbath. So he can energize you for the many tasks that you are called to do. One of our favorite verses is Ephesians 2.10. You are workmanship created in Christ Jesus that he would do the work he has for you. But we must be filled with him first. It is vanity, sheer pride and vanity, to think that we can do life without real rest. I mean, you might do it, but you're not going to do it very well. And the last bit of hard truth, this is one of my favorite quotes. When I, I remember reading this for the first time and going, no. <laughs> um, this is actually a book for homeschooling parents for people who are schooling their children, but this is an excellent point for all believers. If God expected you to get 36 hours worth of work done in a day, he would have given you 36 hours to do that. <laughs> if you have more to do than time to do it in, the simple fact is this, some of what you are doing isn't on God's agenda for you. If you choose to start doing real Sabbath, taking a full day for him, finding bits of time for him in the week, it will require, it will require weeding out what is not on God's agenda for you. It will require boundaries with people who demand your time that is not theirs to take because it belongs to the Lord. But weeding out is the only way to make this work. Start with little bits. Moments of silence and solitude with Jesus during the week. 
and it will help show you what has to go to get that whole day. Speaking out our needs and our plans helps move us forward. And remember, I said I was a teacher, so I like people to have to process. And I have not taught here in KIC for a lot of, well, it's been a few years. And so I actually asked Moira, do we still do this? And she said yes. So I just want to say officially, I've gotten the green light to make you do what I'm about to make you do. Uh, for reflection, here are some questions to process. What keeps you from truly resting? As I've said this, every one of you has had a but something in your mind. Okay, let's talk about that. Do you trust God with what might not get done if you rest? Or with the people who will not be happy with your boundaries? Is this a trust issue? And actually for lots of us, it is. I don't actually believe that it can be okay and the world will not stop spinning and God will take care of the things. What are three things that would be life-giving for you? When I said, what are the things that you wish that you could do that you never do? What are those things? Oh, I'm not looking at somebody because I know what their thing is. Um, how could you begin a time of silence and solitude during the week, even if it means asking for help? Even if it means humbling myself and going to a friend and saying, can you play with my child for 30 minutes so that I can just sit with the Lord. What in your life or heart has to go if you are going to take the gift of rest that God has for you? And I say life or heart because I, I do believe that this is also an issue of pride. This is an issue of control. This is an issue of our own. I'm going to do it myself. No, you're not. And the sooner we lay that down, the better. So I'm going to pray and then actually ask you to um, join with some people around you, just a few groups, people in a group. You don't have to answer all of these. Whichever of these questions really struck you as like, oh, yes, I unfortunately know the answer to that one. That's the one I would like for you to share about and pray for one another. This is our opportunity to confess and pray, which we know is very, very powerful. So I will pray for us all now. And then once you are finished in your group, as always, there is tea and coffee. Do I need to announce anything else before I pray for us? No, okay. Let's pray. Father, uh, you are good and wise. And from the very beginning, from the very first seven days, you knew that we were never going to be fruitful without you. Thank you for showing us that from the very foundation. Thank you for modeling that in Christ Jesus. Thank you for convicting us in your Holy Spirit of our pride, that we would not want to humble ourselves to say we cannot do everything or to think that we don't need so much more of you than we enter into. Father, I pray that this time now we would confess what we know is true, that we would hear those around us well. And I pray, Lord, that we would all leave here today taking the next step into abiding and real rest 
that we know you are asking us to take. And I know it is different for all of us, but I know you are doing it. And I thank you for that. And so I pray ongoing leading and help in the Holy Spirit. And we just praise you and glorify you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So please find some people to chat with about this. And then after you've had a lovely confession and prayer, you are dismissed.